0: I think that we definitely need to understand that success, as we understand it, is just a result of a long, long journey.
1: That was from my conversation, Exploring the Walk of Life with Business Communication Coach. TEDx organizer, certified trainer, podcast host, academic lecturer, and author of the book Born Global Entrepreneurs, Elena Poeta. Elena has spent many years interviewing and researching global entrepreneurs, which are people who start businesses with a global scale in mind. Elena shares a variety of ways in which these individuals think and behave differently than most other people, and how those different approaches can be applied in both professional and personal life. I'm delighted to share Elena's wisdom and insights and encourage you to check out the myriad of content she has produced for entrepreneurs. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast. Alana Poeta, how are you doing this evening?
0: Great, great.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. I'm really excited to have you here, Alana. Um, in the introduction, I talked about your, your different credentials, and you do have many impressive uh, credentials. Um, how many books have you written in total?
0: So, in fact, I've written a lot of articles, and okay. I, have, I have one book called Born Global Entrepreneurs, and the second okay. one is in progress right now.
1: Gotcha. Okay, okay. And so I was going to ask then, um, with Born Global Entrepreneurs, um, what is your objective with that book primarily?
0: So, I have been doing research and I have been interested in global entrepreneurs, in international entrepreneurs, those people who start doing their business globally immediately from the start. And I've been doing some interviews with them. And actually, when I was writing this a book and doing this research, I Realize that those people they are incredible they think differently they they think totally outside the box that's why even after after doing this research i started doing a little bit of those things myself and it actually works (laughs) so that, that this is what basically what my book is about is about people who think out of the box
1: yeah, well, and so you know, you had a a TED talk in uh, I think December of last year, sometime late last year in twenty twenty one, that was kind of talking about some of the the key takeaways from that book, and one of the distinctions you made was was in defining what a a global start or a global entrepreneur or a global startup is, and I mean you kind of just spoke to that, but so really the distinction would be a company that's that's trying to have a global reach as opposed to maybe just a reach within its local community is that. Accurate?
0: Yeah. So the, they start doing their business internationally immediately. So they don't mm. just focus on their local communities, on their town or even country. They, they they just think globally. They don't see any borders. And this is so amazing that um, they, they kind of, they, they don't see any borders yet.
1: Mm. Well, and so in that that TED Talk, you know, one of the things you touched on is is networking. And so I'm curious if you could just kind of highlight why you think networking is, is important and how people go about accomplishing that.
0: Networking is one of those characteristics of international entrepreneurs that they are doing all the time. And it is so amazing to observe it, actually, when I was talking to them. Every time they mentioned that, oh, today I was talking to this guy from, from Mexico and tomorrow I'm, I'm talking to, I'm meeting this guy from Norway. So they are networking all the time, live, online. And actually, I was doing this research even before... Uh, this uh, pandemic when everyone started to connect online and started to connect internationally. And when I was doing this research, those uh, international entrepreneurs, they were already on Zoom calls all the time. So they were either on international conferences or they were on Zoom calls, talking to people all the time. And they were using every opportunity that they had when Meeting new people immediately they they started to to connect with each other to and they were building new business opportunities every day, literally.
1: Mm. so this is kind of a I read a book, um I think I guess it was a couple of years ago now. It's a book called range um and it's it's about it's kind of an argument that um, a wider, maybe the, broader yet more shallow. Um, range of knowledge might be more useful in solving really complicated problems than highly focused, specialized knowledge. Um, So I'm curious, in in this networking that you see these global entrepreneurs doing, are they talking to people primarily within their industry or are they branching way outside of what their business is about or what they're personally involved with, if, if that makes sense?
0: Yes it's great that you're mentioning that actually what i observed is that global entrepreneurs they don't limit themselves to only one industry to one thing that they're doing and um, they are going they're they crossing the borders all the time and they're also serial entrepreneurs so they're starting new businesses all the time when they see the opportunity uh, they might want to get additional education in a certain industry that they see they see that there isn't a business opportunity or they just hire a person who is an expert in a certain industry and they just go for it so i can see this huge openness to new knowledge to to new people and completely new new industries even if they don't have experience there they go for it anyway
1: Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, another thing you talked about in that that TED talk is the way I the the way I kind of understood it was kind of the importance of how we perceive problems and how we, you know, certainly how we deal with them in terms of solving them, but also in how we deal with them emotionally. We encounter when we encounter them. So can you talk a bit about about your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So there is the this effectuation principle that was described by Sarah Saraswati. And it is, it, it is a very interesting theory that is covering behaviors of serial entrepreneurs, of, of global entrepreneurs. And one of the main principles she is describing is, is called lemonade, based on the saying, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And entrepreneurs, those serial entrepreneurs, they're using lemonade principle all the time. And this is what I observed in uh, in uh, my research. When I was talking to those people, they were using uh, th- they were using the different challenges that they were facing in business. And some someone would say that oh, mm, there is. Um, pandemic, for example, and, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, I I can't work, global entrepreneurs, they would use this opportunity, they would start online businesses, they would uh, go in 100%. And uh, in my TED talk, I I was uh, speaking a little bit about Elon Musk, if He's just an amazing example of the lemonade principle because he had so many failures within his career, and now he's the richest person in the world. He he has the the most uh, famous businesses in the world, and everyone looks at him and says, "Wow!" Oh, maybe he's lucky, or you know, they're explaining his success uh, with the you know, uh, saying that maybe, maybe he was just lucky, or maybe he's just so smart. But in fact, he had so many failures where other people would just stop and say, Okay, I I can't do this anymore. But he, he was just going, going, going forward all the time. And this is one of the reasons for for such huge successes.
1: So I'm curious, you know, in, in your research and, in, you know, the different interviews you've done on this topic uh, or with these types of people, does it seem that that this is a, um, like a set of learned behavior that they intentionally set out to acquire and then employ over time, or does it seem to be something that's more innate, that, that maybe the result of their upbringing or, or whatever, that just kind of is just a part of who they are?
0: This is definitely a combination because mm-hmm. uh, some of those people I, I, I was speaking with, they literally started uh, doing their businesses from their childhood. Uh, one of the people I interviewed, he said that he, when he was 10 years old, he started um, uh, doing some loan moaning and uh, he, he was delivering newspapers. to just doing something. And then by the age of, you know, when when he was uh, in his teen years, he was already earning more than his father uh, with doing all of those additional jobs. So I, uh, there are a couple of such stories when people have this inner motivation from the very beginning and they just want to do more and more and more, and they never stop. But also, there is a lot of, um, I can say, a lot of learned behaviors there. So when they start and when when they meet all of those international entrepreneurs and uh, they see how they are behaving, uh, they are so motivated that they want to be like them. And mm. actually, this is something what I observed. The, after doing this research and after speaking to those people i was like wow i can do this myself and actually it helped me to develop my business as well because i um, adopted some of those behaviors as well and it helped me a lot in my career so after writing this book i would say that i gained more of those qualities than i had before because not, not because of a the theory, right? Because I, I was reading books, uh, which of course I also did, but because I was observing those entrepreneurs and I got so inspired by them. That's why I think that this is this is a combination and we can always, always learn new new behaviors.
1: Sure. Yeah, well and something else that strikes me in, in listening to you describe this is that you know I, I'm a big fan of of Malcolm Gladwell, and he has the the famous book uh, Outliers: The Story of Success. And in that he talks about like how you know the Beatles come to America, and it looks like they're just this they they land on the shores and they're this hit, but really if you look in their history, there's you know a, a year long period or something where they're playing eight hours a day in some crummy <laughs> bar in Germany or something, right? Uh, Mozart, I think it's Mozart, maybe it's Beethoven, I don't know. One of the famous classical composers composes his first famous symphony when he's like 16 years old and everyone's like oh he's this genius he's 16 but he started that when he was six right and so the famous part that comes out of Gladwell's book that that at least in popular culture now is the the idea of the 10,000 hours right like you've got to put in 10,000 hours and something to have a hope even of of having mastery over it but I think that what you're describing ties into that because what's not talked about in the, the 10,000 hour idea is that that 10,000 hours to some extent is 10,000 hours of failing <laughs> right now, not like critical, everything goes off the rails failure, but you're not hitting that level of, you know, the, all of the, all of the Beethoven or Mozart's symphonies are failures compared to the one that's eventually the masterpiece, right? Um, anyway, I, I know this is a long-winded <laughs> thing that I'm on here, but my point is just that it's it's when we hear ten thousand hours, I think it makes it sound like it's just a you've got to punch a time clock almost. But what you're talking about, I think is is maybe really important in understanding that you're gonna fail a lot in that period in that grind, right? And you've got to be able to deal with and process that and understand how to navigate that if you ever hope to get to that ten thousand hours.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. and uh, i I totally agree with you, Walker on this one because. Uh, Uh, There is this culture of success that we have, that everyone is successful, it's looking uh, beautiful, but in fact, we don't know how many hours, months, years of work is behind this beautiful image that we see or this business result that we see. So I think that we definitely need to understand that success as we understand it is just result of right. a long long journey entrepreneurial journey and of course there is something like overnight success i mean sometimes it happens and uh, but but it is i don't know maybe one in a one in a million chance every time that i talk to an entrepreneur who is who is uh, being called an overnight success they usually have 10 years of history <laughs> behind 15 years of, of history of failures behind Many businesses that they tried and uh, they, they did not succeed with it. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. We need to think about the whole story, not only about the, this final destination.
1: One of the the next things you touched on in that TED talk that I I thought was really interesting is this idea of the importance of seeking, you know, both seeking and receiving feedback. Um, So I want to actually first ask about the importance of receiving feedback and and why that's important and how people, like, what are some best practices for receiving feedback?
0: Well, it is very simple. You need to just ask for feedback. It is quite hard because we are afraid of this, right? We are afraid of being criticized. We are afraid of of doing something wrong. But um, I think that, I love this about this entrepreneurial culture, the startup culture, is that it is great when you make mistakes. When you make a mistake, when something goes wrong, it is amazing. So everyone is happy because yes, they, they congratulate you for doing this, for, for failing, because you know that after this, you will not make this the same mistake again, that the next step will be in the right direction. And I think that many companies, uh, corporations, international corporations, they are now adopting this startup culture, the culture of failure. And they are not... not uh, criticizing their employees anymore when they make a mistake but actually they say great, so let's move on this uh, this was a failure the, here, here's the feedback, let's move on so I think that we as people even if we don't have uh, businesses or even if we are only in the beginning of, of our business journey we need to make sure to, that we ask for feedback, often. So if the if we are a part of a project, then we can ask our colleagues, "What do you think? I did good. What uh, can I improve?" I think that also the what we are afraid of is that people don't know how to give feedback very often. Sometimes, if we think feedback, we're thinking about. Uh, critical comments maybe some negative comments and we're like oh I don't want to, to, to hear anything negative but in fact good feedback it needs to contain two parts two thi- two things so first one is what was good what, why, w- what I was doing good and then the second part is what could be improved not necessarily what it, what is wrong, <laughs> but what could be improved? What if you did something differently? Maybe then you could achieve a little bit different results. So, feedback in, in such a way, I think it is a, a great tool and we can use it not only in business, but also in our personal life.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I know me personally, whenever I receive feedback, I have kind of this. Uh, Gut reaction, and I—it's a habit that I've tried really hard to break. But to like to begin justifying or explaining whatever thing was criticized, and not even because I don't want to change it or or disagree with the feedback, but again, I take it too personally, right? Like I'm I'm taking it as if it's like a question about why I did that, as opposed to just feedback that maybe it could be different. Do you have any thoughts on on how a person should internalize the feedback that they're receiving, if so that they don't <laughs> scare people from giving feedback away in the future?
0: Yeah, uh, I am. I was certified as a Dale Carnegie coach several years ago, and there we had those all of those techniques on um, communication and and feedback among others. And there I remember the one great technique on how you can address feedback that is maybe negative yeah that maybe you don't agree with 100% so what what is what you want to do is you want not to lose face you, and um, also you want uh, other people who are giving you feedback you want them to save face as well so Treat them with uh, respect. This is even if you don't agree with them 100%. So what is important in receiving feedback is not denying what they say immediately. Mm -hmm. And as you said, this is our first reaction. What we do is we say, but but no, I am... (laughs) And you start explaining yourself. So immediately by saying no or saying but saying words like however nevertheless or whatever <laughs> other versions of but uh, yeah. you're kind of saying that you're wrong what you're saying is wrong and we, we want to avoid this so first of all when you hear negative feedback or maybe not very positive one try to find someone something that you agree with mm. so don't disagree with everything but try to find something that you you agree with, it. for example, if someone tells you that I know you are not professional. Let's say you don't agree with this. Of course, you know that you are you are professional. But what you can say is yes, I, I can. I agree with you. I see that uh, professionalism in business is very important for you. So you can agree on the broader level you don't have to agree with with uh, with your negative feedback and then after you build some connection in the beginning with the person then you can proceed with with answering and let's say defending yourself but still without using words but no uh, without using those negative words so you can say yes i see that professionalism in business is very important for you On speaking about myself, I can say that I am, Mm -hmm. and then you can say something about yourself. So, and uh, remember that feedback is, uh, you can treat it as a gift. And this is something that I was talking about during my TED talk. You can treat it as a gift. There are, uh, you have uh, Christmas presents, for example, sometimes which are completely useless and you never use them never, maybe you put them somewhere on the shelf and it stays there for, I don't know, 10 years till you throw it away, but you still say thank you, you smile to this person, you say thank you very much, thank you for this present you can do the same with feedback, right if you you think that oh, this is completely useless for me, don't, don't argue with the person, just say thank you very much for your feedback, and that's it, and put it on the shelf, and know forget about
1: it yeah it's so interesting this is such a not a connected field i guess but it it, you know um improv you know like comedy improv the like the number one rule of that is that if if you're a participant in an improv group is whatever your partner on stage says your response always has to begin with yes and right because if you say no but or, or anything like we're just talking about here it, it ruins the, the joke and kind of the, the you know, whatever um, play or whatever you want to call it, your improv you're trying, scene you're trying to create. It makes it confusing for the audience. It makes it really hard for your partner to play back off of you. Again, very different objectives. You know, feedback is not an improv comedy set, but it's actually the, the exact same premise that you're talking about, where it's like by saying yes and and agreeing to it, you allow it to continue. Whereas if you lead with negative, it kind of kills it before it can start. Does that make sense at all? <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely. I think that this uh, improv uh, yes and is a great analogy to how you can react to any kind of feedback whether positive or negative.
1: Yeah. And and something else that jumped out into my mind when you were talking about in, you know, with in this entrepreneurial space when people are failing and and that is like celebrated, the other place, the other, you know, arena where I'm familiar with that, is in science, right? When scientists create an experiment and they have a hypothesis, they're most excited if their hypothesis is wrong, because now it means that they get to learn something (laughs) and there's something new that's true, as opposed to them being able to predict everything. And it's just interesting because I don't think that, at least I should say, I don't typically connect, you know, academia and science and experiments with entrepreneurial, you know, endeavors but yet again there's this crossover in kind of how they're looking at it because ultimately they're just trying to find the truth right whatever the, the the best answer is
0: yes yes absolutely i can relate to it so much as i'm active in the academia as well as as a researcher and th- there are a lot of similarities actually because
2: yeah. you're you're looking
0: for an answer and if you don't find this answer if your hypothesis is wrong then you you've successfully completed your research you are writing an article about this and then you move on to the next research so the same i think that the, the same um is typical for the startup culture that uh, you are not going for success all the time you're going for development for innovation And those are the main priorities. And success, it will come if you'll be consistent, if you will keep doing what you're doing and trying again and again. But then when you will finally get to this success point, then you will have a lot of experiences on the way.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I know we've only got a limited amount of time here left, but real quickly, I did want to touch on also, you have a podcast, Ideas and Leaders, um, which I'll be sure and have a link to in the show notes. But what can listeners expect to hear on Ideas and Leaders?
0: Yeah. So on the podcast, Ideas and Leaders, we are speaking to uh, to entrepreneurs and business leaders, mostly about communication, about business and um about public speaking a little bit about confidence in business about building businesses. So um, basically there's a lot of interesting information for entrepreneurs and uh, for business professionals.
1: Awesome, uh, and then also you have your own coaching practice, which you spoke to briefly earlier. Uh, I, again, like I said at the beginning, you're an incredibly busy and, and accomplished person. Um, <laughs> but uh, you've got, and, and I'm not even going to name all of them, but you've got individual coaching, group coaching, corporate training. You can help prepare people to to do their own TED talks, like the one we've been referring or referencing that you you know recently gave. Um, can you talk a bit about? how people would get in contact with you and what services you're offering in that coaching arena
0: yeah so i'm a communication coach and i help people to speak with confidence to express their ideas with confidence whether it is their their investor speech if they are entrepreneurs or if they are business professionals it is sometimes their business presentations or job interviews and I help people to get on a TEDx stage, as uh, I have been organizing TEDx events myself for for several years. So I know how it looks like from the stage and from behind the stage. <laughs> so this is this is uh, what I help people with. And uh, if you go to my website, it is elena.poeta.com, then you will you you can book a call with me. If, it is a free 15 minutes call where we can discuss uh, your issues with communication, or if you want to get on TEDx stage, and uh, then we can discuss how, how I can support you.
1: Awesome. Um, well, Elena, again, I'll I'll be sure in the show notes to have a link to your website. Uh, I'll have a link to the TED Talk we've been referencing, and also your book, Born Global Global Entrepreneurs. Is there anything else that that we hadn't touched on that you'd like to speak to uh, this evening?
0: Well, uh, I would like to leave your listeners with the idea that uh, if they have an an, uh, idea, a business idea, then it is very easy by using just simple tools and getting inspired from global entrepreneurs, from the way how they communicate, how they act, how they think. It is so easy step by step to to start the, uh, their way to to fulfilling their business dream and yeah listen to my TED talk uh, I'm I'm uh, inviting you to to contact with me and hopefully you were a little bit inspired
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely well Elena uh, thank you so much for, for coming on the show it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you I really appreciate your time
0: thank you so much welcome
2: I can't face Blind views of a perilous truth And one foot stuck in the red race
1: that's all for the show today thank you so much to elena for stopping by and sharing her walk of life i also want to thank Misha Zaren's for the music in today's show and last but not least thank you listener for listening i also invite you to check out my other shows pick up your sticks which is a video game podcast where we talk about the idea of why gaming matters or my other show the crowfall podcast which shares stories and perspectives from the mmo crowfall as always thanks for the listen have a great week stay up <laughs>